Welcome to Toxic. Be aware this podcast delves into tough to hear but necessary to discuss topics surrounding violence against women. There may be descriptions of intimate partner abuse and violence, child abuse, and sexual assault, which can be triggering. Please exercise caution when listening. We also use adult language because, well, we're adults. Finally, if you like what you hear, please leave a review or click the subscribe button so the magic podcast machine can tell you when our next episode comes out. Hi, and welcome to Toxic. I am Amanda Kippert. I am your 2022 Jenna Brandle, which is literally... Is that a different version? No different. It's just the 2022 model. (laughs) I am not quite sure if it's a lemon or not yet. We're... We're, well, we're still out. test driving it. <laughs> well, it is our first episode of 2022. It's also episode 37, which is crazy. And we're also coming up on our one year anniversary, which is also kind of I, You know what? I, so, I kind of came across that in my uh, time hop stuff of some stuff in my photos on my phone of, of our yeah. logo. And I was like, oh, we must be coming Ooh. up on our first episode anniversary. But also, can I please pause and rewind for a moment to make the clerk's joke? 37 in a row and then whoever can understand that joke can quietly laugh along with it and if you didn't then watch clerks and and find out and if you're not 18 yet maybe don't watch it yet because it's not child material i haven't watched that in so long that is of our generation i remember watching that in um somebody's basement my boyfriend's basement um many times is it still as good as I remember, or is it one of those things that I remember being good, but if you watched it now, you would be like, this isn't as good? I can't tell in my I'm going to tell you this. Brain slash memory. I have tried to watch it since then, and I think because it's one of those things where, like, I knew that it was, like, super inappropriate when we were in high school, mm-hmm. that that was my motivation to stick with it, and I've tried to watch it since, and I'm just like, you know what? <laughs> I don't know. For some reason, I can't do it. But here's my proposal, is that um, we, we, being Amanda and myself and a couple of our other friends, have a girls weekend in Vegas in, like, dude, six or seven weeks. I know. I'm so excited. I am so stoked. Um, Omicron and any other variants be damned. Um, We're Vegasing. And maybe one of those nights that we're there, you know we're not pulling this... 4 a.m. bullshit in Vegas. We're all too old for that shit. No. So I'm thinking like... Vegas in your 40s is going to be way different than Vegas in your 20s. (laughs) Right, right. And And I think I went to Vegas once in my 30s and I was pregnant. So that one doesn't even count. So this is going to be a a shock. Exactly. And, And I have not been in Vegas in my 40s yet. Um, long story short, what I'm saying is one of us will have a laptop or an iPad. We're going to try to watch that one of those nights Mm -hmm. and just see, does it hold up? I'm going to guess that maybe if I'm, if I'm drunk enough, maybe I'll still want to watch it. I, but I don't know. I don't know if I can. (laughs) It'll be an interesting experiment if anything else, or it'll just make us feel really old because we'll be like, what the fuck is this? Right. Which... I feel like that trip may be a little bit of that everywhere. <laughs> it it probably will. I mean, Vegas is not a place where you you go and at forty and feel probably really really confident about yourself because you're surrounded. In, 
like, yeah, like, you know, I went a lot in my 20s, and um, that place is just full of scantily clad 20-somethings. Hot bodies. And there's nothing wrong with that. I feel like they do your thing, and I'm I'm excited to do our version of it in the 40s. Me too. Is what I'm trying to say. You know, we were talking about this over um, text the other day, you know, and one of our friends was like, this is, we're just going to show up how we are, you know? And it's true. It's like, this is how I am. And this is 41 year old me. And if you don't like it, then you can go fuck yourself. Exactly. And I'm... like, also, who are we trying to impress besides you? Cause you're single. <laughs> the rest of us, I'm not trying to impress anybody. I don't need to get free drinks anymore. I can afford them. So. Let's be honest. The only people that I'm trying to impress are the three of you. And that's, that's a... true. And already done. So. Right. Check. And that's about it. Um, but yeah, I I am definitely ready to go and not attempt to try to do the things that I would have done in our 20s. But I mean, I will say like the last few times that I've gone there, I've, I feel like I've, I've, I've been there much more than you in the last few years, which is very bizarre because you used to outpace mm-hmm. me, I think, in that regard. But um, I, I definitely have played it a lot more low key, um, maybe even since they um, legalized the Mary Jane. <laughs> There, mm. things tend to be a little more laid back while I'm present mm-hmm. in that city. But otherwise, like, you know, there's no, like, attempts for VIP clubs or pools or getting into places free or let's see what celebs there are there. Although I will say, speaking of toxic masculinity, there will be a UFC fight that weekend while we're there, I've realized. Really? Which is why... The prices of flights, I assume, are a little higher than normal because mm. there's a UFC fight happening. So there's going to be a lot of alpha males there. Totally. Um, well, maybe that'll have to be a toxic episode of like what it's like being in a city surrounded by people who are... Although at the same time, I would totally go to that fight. But that's... I kind of want to... I Yeah, that's... I don't know if, if people are going to judge and, and fuck them if they are, but I do like UFC... Um, I don't know. It's it's like one sport that I holds my interest, and I don't know if that's good or bad. But I don't really give a shit. It also holds um, mine as well. But it, but again, and and maybe I just I say don't this... support the ones who are arrested for domestic violence. Obviously, you know. Right. I also don't support so Joe Rogan, who is very closely tied to UFC. So. Oh, he's so gross. <laughs> he's such an idiot. I have to tell my Joe Rogan story sometime on here. Oh. <gasps> We don't have time today, do we? That's really unfortunate because I, I, would, I would really. Again, you know what? We'll save that. We'll do. A, maybe we'll just do a whole UFC episode post Vegas. Maybe we should. Yeah. And the good and bad men of UFC, and also um, why Joe Rogan's uh, kind of gross. Or he was, you know, when I met him a long, long, long time ago, he was just a little, a little gross. Um, but uh, who's to say who he is now? I'm uh, sure he's well, just a but totally here's the deal. Different guy. I mean, like, aside from his private personality that you got to know briefly, we all know his podcast personality, <clears throat> which is basically the Jenny McCarthy of our current day of spreading misinformation mm. and being a complete absolute. Uh, yes. My cousin, my cousin, my bless him. He listens occasionally. He does like Joe Rogan. Shout out to my cousin. Um, but my cousin also likes to know both sides of stories and get all of his information where he can. So I get it, but like, I, he's not my yeah. cup of tea. I just can't do it. Is it a requirement that if you have a dick that you have to like Joe Rogan? No. Do you get kicked out of the men club? <laughs> no. Although I will say that um, my my ex was the only person of his recent 
um, little boy's outing to not be a fan of Joe Rogan. Ex-husband or ex-boyfriend? Boyfriend. Um, And he was having a real hard time hanging in on that conversation because he didn't agree with most things being said. And apparently if you don't agree with Joe Rogan, that can Mm, cause a rift. God forbid. Oh, no. (laughs) So I just don't know. (laughs) Minus 20 masculinity points right off the bat. Right. Right. Anyways, and this is completely, look at, this is what happens when somebody who has not spoken to a human in three days, uh, a human adult, yeah. Gets, on, gets uh-huh. on the horn with an adult. Hi, Amanda. We've gone from 37 different topics in this intro. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and let you bring her back around to the topic at hand. <laughs> well, I mean, I was going to mention it's our one-year anniversary coming up. We should do something for it. We have nothing planned for it. So um, stay tuned for that. I mean, we here we said last time we were going to do like a Christmas episode that was not depressing, and we didn't end up doing that. <laughs> so say, I don't know if anyone good- should actually believe us we don't have a good track things record are gonna happen and I, and I feel i should clear the air on that too like we had all intentions of doing that episode mm-hmm. we were like so excited let's do an uplifting kind of goofy fun episode for the last one yeah. of the year and straight up guys uh those last few weeks of 2021 they fucking sucked they were a mess and and for so many reasons i don't know that i need i i don't what are my words I don't think I need to explain why they sucked. A lot of people, like, were feeling the same things. Lots of people getting infected with COVID, Christmas bullshit, family bullshit, like, just all the things. And if you're a mom around this time of the year, doing the magic of Christmas is... Oh, my gosh. It's a whole other undertaking. So, like, I... We fully intended. But you know what? When you're not feeling that... That, that spirit of positivity, and then you try to do a positive yeah. podcast, not going to happen. We were like, this is not going to, nobody's going to like I this. I can't get there. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's pretend like we never said it. No one will notice. Right, but then but, we just uh, apologize for it, but whatever. That's fine. But we'll at least call out the one-year anniversary. Maybe we can do a live from Vegas um, post-one-year anniversary, because we're going to be together. Oh, my and, God. We, um, should... we can celebrate it yes. after that. And not to mention the fact that, again, um... I'll, you know, I'm sure that they wouldn't mind being named because all of our seven listeners include them. But uh, um, right, right. <laughs> Angie and Alyssa, uh, friends till the end, will be joining us. And I feel like they will be amazing to provide commentary on whatever subject we want to broach for that episode. So Yeah, they're not shy about sharing opinions. No. So they're perfect. They're perfect co-co-hosts. Um. Let's talk about, there's so many in the news, people. I just picked one because we can't cover them all before we get to the main story of this episode, which is a recap of a, um, I know, it's bad. Um, the main story is going to be a recap of a um, a story that got a lot of press, but I didn't really know all the details of it, and now I know a lot more of them, so I'm going to share those with you. But first, let's talk about Chris Noth. Sex in the City. Mr. Big. He was recently accused of sexual assault, which is a bummer because, I mean, maybe he, maybe you could have suspected that. I don't know if you could have, but it's always kind of a bummer when a show you love that has a character you love, the real person you know nothing about, but the real person turns out to be an asshole. Right. And then you can't look at the character the same way again. And it sort of wrecks the whole series. So mm-hmm. for that, I say thank you for being inconvenient with your sexual assault. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for not allowing me to hold you to the, you know, the 
no for no reason high standard that I was holding you to as a male yeah. in society today. I just I mean. So uh have you watched the Sex and the City reboot? And yes, I just like that, which is possibly the worst named show. I the see, worst name for a show. I see how just they're like, like trying that. to tie the title into the show. It's fine. Um I don't yeah. know why they didn't just call it Sex and the City season whatever because that's what it is. Yeah. Um, it is. Did did uh, what's her face who plays Samantha own the rights to the name Sex in the City? I don't think she did. Um, Kim Control, no, right, no. Kim Control, as was once said during. Oh, zing! Billy, was that a uh, Billy Eichner's thing? Somebody was like Kim Control, or <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, um, I have watched it. I I have not watched the one episode that just aired. I think this past Thursday, but I'm caught up otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me too. I don't know about you, but here's my um, three-second opinion on it. It's depressing the shit out of me. Um, Yeah, and I'll give you my three-second opinion. Um, Nobody, it's no fucking, like, surprise, because CNN had it, like, on a headline the day after the first episode aired that Chris Noth's uh, character, Mr. Big, dies. Um, Oh, right. They spoiled it. Right. They spoiled it. For sure. Is it Chris Noth or is it Chris Noth? Did I? Whatever. I said Noth. No. Sorry, I'm there, horrible. There, with I just, names. there, I just said both. But anyways, that full no, thing of like him dying and then the subsequent episodes that followed after that. Because of course I watched it while I was binging with while my kids were away, so I'm in house alone. Mm-hmm. It made me really sad, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. So basically, she found the love of her life, and then he died, and I'm sitting here alone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh and i'm just gonna be alone forever and just feel like she did forever and be alone forever it was it sent me in it sent me into a very depressive spiral <laughs> i'm sure that wasn't the intention okay, wait, super... i did take it a because little seriously but but other things in it too up, we we grew up well grew up in our 20s watching sex in the city it was a big part of our 20s uh, all of us who were in our group of girlfriends watched it. Mm-hmm. We went to the movies together. Yes. We were big nerds about it. And I always watched it for fun. Like it it always lifted me up. It always made me laugh. I always, could always relate to it to some small degree, even though it was really unrealistic because, you know, as a thousand people have pointed out, like she's a writer and she has that apartment in New York. Mm-hmm. And all of those shoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. Uh huh. What and she writes like one column a week. Mm-hmm, sure, sure. Uh, but now it just feels and I get it. They're like, okay, well we're in our fifties, so this is realistic. It it is, but like not all of your fifties are are supposed to be that depressing. I mean, I'm in my forties, so maybe I can't speak, but I'm guessing that. I mean, like Miranda's an alcoholic now, and she hates her life and her marriage, and um. I really can't stand like, anything Carrie's to do with a her son anymore. P.S. Like I can't. Oh my god, he is the worst character on that show by far. Mm-hmm. And just like every episode, I feel bad for Steve. You know, yes. I'm just like Steve has gotten the shaft, and in this entire season yes. or entire series. <sighs> okay. Anyway, we are way off topic. So blah blah blah. And just like that is depressing. Chris <laughs> Noth or Noth was accused of sexual assault. Uh, two women stepped forward on December 16th to accuse him of rape. They were unrelated cases that happened in 2004 and 2016. I mean, related in the sense that they both involved him. Right. These women didn't know each other. 
Uh, he, of course, denies there is anything but consensual encounters. And a few days later, a third woman comes forward and says she was sexually assaulted by him in 2010 when she was 18 and he was 55. Uh, a fourth woman, uh, a singer named Lisa um, Gentile, Gentile, um, <laughs> that can't possibly be right. The sorry. other women came forward under pseudonyms. But Lisa came forward on December 23rd saying she had been sexually abused by Nath in 2002. Goodness graciousness. I, and I then, mean, like, I know this is not this is not the way that I should handle this, but I literally was like, anytime I saw news articles about it, I couldn't read it because it was too upsetting for me, which is like, again, it's that thing where you hold certain people to a higher standard, and then if you are stoked on them, and then you hear this news, you almost don't want to believe it, and and... I mean, right. like, I do believe it. I believe every word that those women have said, but I'm just like, I, yeah, I, it's one of those things where I just, I don't know if I can read about it right now. <laughs> women, by and large, don't lie about this shit. I mean, people will say, oh my God, they're just coming forward now because the show is popular and they want 15 minutes of fame. For the 1,000th 1, 1, time, women don't want this type of fame. Right. They don't want this type of, I mean, I swear on all things holy, this is not the type of fame that women want because they can't press charges. The statute of limitations is already over. They might mm -hmm. file a civil suit, but most likely what happened uh, is that they saw him. This show came out. There was a lot of press and it triggered something in them that they remembered and they felt like now it was safe to speak out because back in the day, they probably couldn't speak out because they were under the threat of losing whatever job they had, or they felt like they were going to be raked over the coals, which they probably still are by some people today. Right. Um, there's so many reasons why women don't come forward at the time. And, you know, it's a form of victim blaming mm -hmm. every time people question why the victim didn't step forward earlier. Right. Well, and it turns who into not cares? a questioning they're of, stepping the, now. of the person who they're accusing. It's not questioning their character. It's questioning the, the accuser's uh, yeah. words. They're, you know, who they are. And it's like, no. That, you know, they're they're not on trial here. Nobody's on trial. But if somebody's accusing someone of something, you got to take it for face value. And I just saw something, and maybe I think I'm, I must be remembering it. It was a different, it must have been a different um, Instagram account. But I just saw something about talking about how 93% of accusations of sexual abuse or sexual assault or rape are, in fact, real accounts that are not being made up because like, that's the yes. that's the thing that that people always want to say is like oh well people are just lying it's like no i mean from from what i saw from this account it said like it's right 93 basically right mm -hmm. most women are telling the truth by and large and then that actually that number actually goes up the more women who come forward to accuse the same uh person right so the fact that four women now have come forward um there's no denying that Doesn't he did look good um, so anyway, he was edited out of the finale of Sex in the City, and so we probably won't be seeing any more of him. Wait, and the I'm finale sure of this exactly. new show? Yeah, so I guess there was going to be some sort of, you know, like... Like a flashback or something? Flashback series, series, sequence of some kind, and um, they edited him out of that. Oh, well, fair enough. <laughs> I get it. I still like the character. <laughs> I just don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
And it that's a whole discussion that we've we've broached a couple of times on here before. Can you separate art from artists kind of thing? Can you still watch, you know, the Cosby show? Probably not. Can you still listen to Michael Jackson's music knowing what he was accused of? Can you still watch, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean? Can you there's so many people that accused or convicted of can you still I mean watch I, what they are in and separate what they have done in their personal life from a character that they're playing on screen it's it's a choice everybody has to make individually I will say if we're going to compare I mean like it's while the cases do not compare but since we just brought them both up if we were to compare Bill Cosby's character um in uh oh my god why am I an idiot? The Cosby but, Show. I love how I couldn't think yeah. of the name of the show that had his name in it. I was like, are you thinking of something other than the Cosby I know. Show? Jesus Christ. Um, so his character is like All-American Dad versus Chris Noff's character in Sex and the City as Mr. Big. Mr. Big seemed like a womanizer. So while I don't condone his actions, it seems... It's not like he is that... Again, he's not that person, but like that's slightly in character for who he played in the show. So like... It's not going to be as hard for me to separate the two. He definitely was an asshole and somebody he didn't like in a lot of those episodes. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas, like, Bill Cosby, like, the man could do no wrong in any episode. He was the best dad anybody could think of, which was completely wrong. Yeah, I see what you mean. It's harder mentally to to separate that. Right. Mm -hmm. Somebody who plays an asshole actually turns out to be an asshole versus someone who plays a beloved character. Well, and let's not forget, I forget what version of the show it is, but wasn't he also in, like, one of the CSI, NSCISA, blah, yeah. blah, blah? He was in yeah. one of those, too, right? Hopefully it wasn't a sex crime he definitely was. because that definitely would not bode well for that show anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. No, I gotta Google it. Okay, carry on. Next quickie story. This one just... Um... I mean, I feel like you could have seen this one coming from a thousand miles away. Did you hear about the woman who was stalked by someone who slipped an Apple tracker into her pocket? Um, an Apple AirTag yeah, tracker? I think I read something about this one briefly, but I've seen, you know, whether or not they're true or not, I've seen plenty of TikToks about this too, which it's it's mm -hmm. really freaky. And yeah, go like ahead you and tell make the story tiny though. little tracking devices. You don't think that those are going to be used nefariously like are you fucking kidding me anyway this woman's name is brooks nader she's 26 she's a model and she lives in new york and last week she's out about in the city and her iphone alerts her to the fact that a quote unknown accessory is moving with her and has been for some time uh, my question is like why would it not alert her as soon as it was connected so and apparently it had been following her for like this person via this device had been following her for five hours. So I will say I have a couple air tags. I have one. You do? Yeah, I do. I have one on my keys and I bought one for my suitcase because I am paranoid and anxious and always assume my luggage is going to be lost. Um, mm -hmm. So, and um, my ex-boyfriend, he also had one on his keys. And so like there was a day where we had switched vehicles for some reason. And so I had his keys and he had mine. And it does, it takes some time before, I think it probably, because basically how AirTags work is they ping off of iPhones. It doesn't necessarily okay. 
care what iPhone like it's your, pinging off of. It just says it, like other people's iPhones. Right. It's like if it's close to an iPhone, it can use that for that iPhone's location, basically. And if you get repeated pings off of an AirTag that you haven't registered to yourself, that's when it eventually says, hey, this AirTag is continuing to ping off of your phone. Is it yours? Oh, and okay. um, and because that ended up happening to both my ex-boyfriend and I was, we both got these messages on our phones and I was like, what? And I'm like, oh, oh, well, yeah, that's his. But okay. like the fact, it, you know, because at, at first when I was thinking about this before, there have been like geo tracker things for a while, like the tile, um, for instance. Mm-hmm. But the difference with at least the, the version of a tile that I had had in the past is that it only works off of whatever device you have it tied to, and you have to be close to it in order for it to work. It's Yeah, that's what I... I didn't think you could follow someone around the city. With right. Once once it loses... It goes outside the bounds of, like, your Bluetooth on your phone, it just knows the last spot where it was within close vicinity to you, and that's it. Um, but with the AirTags, because it uses iPhone technology to bounce its location off of things... You're able to track anything anywhere at any time, basically, which seems great until people start using it for this. You can't tell me that Apple is surprised that a stalker is using this. I mean, you can't tell me that Apple, I don't know what Apple's response was to this, but you can't tell me that they were like, what? We, oh, we're so sorry. We didn't mean that. Well, clearly they did know These because things... they built something into the app to let you know that you have one on you. But yeah. at that point... How... I just feel like there should have been more thought put into this in terms of, okay, so the first thing I would think is these are great for stalkers. How are we going to counteract that? Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like there should be more safety measures in place because, like, who's to say that he couldn't see her go into a bathroom and be like, okay, well, now I know she's alone mm-hmm. and now I'm following her in and now I'm assaulting her, you know? Like, five hours later, like, he probably knows where she lives at this point. Like, that is so fucking creepy. Well, and, and it, definitely... It angers me. The, especially, I was just talking about this off the air with Amanda. Um, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that my cat ate one of my AirPods. Um, <laughs> this is related, I promise. There is... A, so, th- there's two different ways that you can ping a device that's an Apple device within the find... It's like, find my, my iPhone... App. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's two different ways. You can make it make a noise, which they mm-hmm. the um air tags do. You can they will make a noise to find him. Or there's a way that you can um it's basically like it's almost like a metal detector where you it connects to it and then it shows you whether or not you're getting closer to it or further away when you have that mm-hmm. action turned on. Which like okay. you just said, Amanda, is exactly how if you were in a crowded bar and somebody had put this in your purse or your pocket unknowingly, that person will literally be able to walk up to you without ever taking their eyes off their phone because they're seeing that they're getting close to the tag. So, yep. and like, I think Apple Apple knew that this could be used nefariously because otherwise they wouldn't have alerted, built in an alert to tell you that there's an air tag that's repeatedly pinging off of your phone. But the For thing is, is that hours? like, it, it almost, you know, and, and I understand programmatically, they cannot alert you every time an AirTag is pinging off your phone because if they're using phones as the ping thing, you would be getting a notification every, like, if you're out in a crowded whatever, 
you could be getting a notification every five minutes if people have them, like me have them on their keys or whatever. But it's um, for me, it they need to shorten up that period. Then why can't why can't they? You can't tell me that they don't have the technology to say that each air tag is assigned to a certain person, and then that person tells the air tag who it can track, right? So you have to have, like, if you have an AirTag for your keys, that AirTag can only be tracking Jenna, right? And so if that AirTag accidentally goes with me somewhere, then it realizes that I'm not you because right, somehow it, it can do that. And then it can say, like, listen, it's following not you, so I'm going to let this person know. It needs to be sooner than the current built-in, which is, like, after hours of pinging. Right, because, I mean... All an abuser needs to do is slip that into somebody's coat pocket, suitcase, purse, and then all of a sudden they know where the domestic violence shelter is that this person oh my God. has gone to. Because I've seen I TikToks mean, there so where they're like, for this. They're, they're hiding them in people's cars is what I've been seeing. Um, yeah, they're so little and they're $30. Don't tell me that everybody can't afford that. And I mean, not to mention, I just saw that... Um, maybe I should confirm this, that they're making one that's small enough to fit into a wallet like it's a credit card size. Well, fantastic. Awesome. Let's just equip stalkers with everything that they need. My other question is this. When you get an AirTag, are you, do you register as a user to it? So in, a, in other words, can this woman who was stalked take this AirTag out, turn it over to police, and can they investigate who owns this AirTag and then go arrest them? So, um... So I think that there's something, I'm trying to remember the screen that I got when I got that notification. I feel like it's the first thing it asks you is, is this your AirTag? And whether or not you want to either disable it or like make it yours kind of a thing. Um, mm -hmm. Which you wouldn't want to do either of those yeah, but I feel like I've read though that there, there really isn't a good or easy way to figure out whose AirTag it is. But I mean, when you got yours, you must have had to connect it to your phone mm -hmm. somehow. Yeah, it is connected to me. So it's like one of my devices. So that. like, it's right. So you would but, think that they would have that right? But I think somewhere. the reverse, the inverse of it, trying to say whose is this versus this is mine. I don't know if that's as easily translatable, unless you are some kind of an Apple. Hmm. Guru. But hey, uh, email us at uh, toxicpodcast at gmail.com if you have any understanding of any of this stuff. If you're listening to this and aren't one of our friends that we know also doesn't know shit about this. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Someone explain this to me. All right. Well, that's enough um, banter. Let's get to our main story today because um, it's probably one that you heard about but don't know the details of, much like the last dude. Okay, so this is a story of uh, Vanessa Guillen. And you said earlier that you didn't recognize that name. But this was mm -hmm. a, a story that kind of blew up in um, 2020. And um, Vanessa was the um, Fort Hood soldier who went missing. And uh oh, then, okay. And then it started this Twitter hashtag, I am Vanessa Guillen. 
and now there's legislation attached to it. So we're going to get to all of that and what happened to her and the um, awful, awful guy that decided to um, take her life. Um, so I pulled a lot of this information from the New York Times. Thank you so much for that. And ABC 11 Eyewitness News, which is the local news station there. Uh, Vanessa was born in Houston, Texas on September 30th, 1999. I feel like I'm starting a school report when I say that. <laughs> to Rogelio and Gloria. They immigrated here from Mexico. She has five siblings. She graduated at the top 15% of her class, and she loved running on track and cross-country teams. She played soccer. And her sister Lupe told reporters that all Vanessa wanted to do since she was 10 years old was join the military. So after high school in 2018, she signs up. And this is not what her mom, Gloria, wants. She later tells reporters that she cried and cried that they, her daughter, enlisted. Um, mm. Yeah, I get that. The military sounds scary. Um, she <laughs> And I'm a military spouse. And I, still think, <laughs> I don't know if I'd want my kids, want my kids to do something that's not, not as dangerous. Um, although there's plenty of not dangerous military jobs, I should say that, too. Yes. Unless we're at war. Right. When aren't we? <laughs> Vanessa trains in South Carolina and then in Virginia, and she's finally stationed at Fort Hood in Texas. She's a private first class, a small arms specialist. She works with the weapons, in other words. She repairs and services them in um, a place called the Armory or the Arms Room on base. But unfortunately, while she is training to protect our country, the Army is definitely not protecting her. Dun, dun, dun. A superior, yeah, her sergeant... Um, begins sexually harassing her at work. Um, and also later on, as I will share, but I'll share it now just to clarify, there may be a second person who was also sexually harassing her. Um, but those details are, are still a little muddy. But anyway, one, at least one, possibly two men uh, are sexually harassing her at work. And she tells her mom and a few close friends about it. Her mom, Gloria, tries to push her to report it. But Vanessa says she can handle it on her own. That if she reports it, she fears she won't be believed. How many times have we heard that from survivors? Mm -hmm. Her mom says that Vanessa tells her, quote, they won't believe me. They laugh at all the girls and don't believe them. So obviously she is not the only one who is being harassed mm -hmm. at work by men who are in a higher position of power, which is exactly what sexual harassment is, is men using their position of power to wield control over women at a place of work because they know that they can't report it because then they could lose their job. Mm -hmm. Love this. Gloria, her mom says, give me that bastard's name and I'll report him. <laughs> Vanessa says, I will fix it. I'm brave. Mm. But apparently the sergeant who was harassing her suspected that she was going to report it. Um, maybe she told him that she was going to, and he didn't like that. On April 22nd, 2020, Vanessa, who at the time is 20 years old, goes missing from the base. She was last seen that day at 1 p.m. in the parking lot of her regimental engineer squadron headquarters, 3rd Cavalry Regiment. Her car keys, barracks room key, ID, and wallet are found in the armory room where she was working earlier in the day, but her cell phone was also gone. The last person to see her alive was specialist Aaron Robinson, also 20, but a rank above her. So this is the sergeant mm -hmm. that supposedly was sexually harassing her. He tells investigators that Vanessa had exited the building after completing her work in the armory and that he left after her and he spent the night off post with his girlfriend. Um, mm -hmm. This part, 
she just left and detail. left all of her stuff behind it's totally cool no that makes sense yeah, right yeah she didn't need to get back into her barracks room so she just left her keys there then because i mean like if he were going to corroborate the story to even like make sense of the fact that her stuff was all left behind he should have at least said something like she left in a rush Right. Well, not shockingly, this guy is an idiot. Right. Um, and we'll see how that unfolds. Just like <laughs> one, I mean, it's like the old adage about smart criminals, right? Right. If they were smart, they wouldn't be a criminal. Um, so this crazy detail next comes from this article for um, Vanity Fair by uh, a reporter named Mei Zhang. And he told her, um, Vanessa's dad told her, um, that on the day that Vanessa goes missing... He was 200 miles away in Houston at his place of work, which was a nickel plating factory, and he felt this sharp spasm in his chest, and then it became this wave of pain that continued over and over for nearly an hour, and he went home and he told his wife, Gloria, about it, and it was at that time that they realized that they hadn't heard from their daughter, Vanessa, that day. She usually sent a text about every hour, and mm-hmm. she also called her fiancé, Juan Cruz, at noon every day, but she hadn't that day. Um... So just as a mom, these kinds of details kill me because right. I totally believe in that intrinsic connection to your kids. Like mm-hmm. I felt similar connections. I mean, obviously not in such a dire circumstance as this, but I don't know if you've ever felt that, but like I have felt pain that my kids have felt. I have felt sicknesses that they have felt before they mm-hmm. tell me that they're sick. It's it's bananas, but so that kills me that he felt that on the day that she went missing. Mm-hmm. Um Vanessa's sister, um, Mayra, called the base around 8 p.m., and that's when Vanessa's superior confirmed that Vanessa was indeed missing. So her sister drove to the base immediately with uh, Vanessa's fiancé, Juan, and Vanessa's other sister, Giovanna, and her sister's boyfriend. But base officials tell them to come back in the morning, and then they'll start the search then. Because why start it at night? No, we'll just pick it up in the morning. Mm -hmm. I would have been irate. So the search begins at 8 a.m. the next day. Army investigation officials, police, and a few other soldiers get involved, but there's not that many because COVID procedures are still in place and many are being told to continue to stay where they are or shelter in place. Mm-hmm. But among those in the search party for Vanessa is one Aaron Robinson. Hmm. Idiot. They begin putting up missing posters and posting online. She is declared AWOL, which is absent without official leave, because, get this, there's no protocol at that time in the place for soldiers who go missing. So she's just considered, like... Like like she left on her own accord. She's Right, like she's deserted. And she's, I mean, when you're AWOL, you're in a shit ton of trouble. So I just don't like the connotation that that implies. It's like, why do you need to declare her AWOL? Like, she's missing. Like, that if it's not in character for her, like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. It just irritates me. Right. Uh, three witnesses step forward at this time. Soldiers who say they saw Vanessa leave the armory the day before, but as we will learn, they are just fucking liars who lie. <laughs> fucking know. idiots. <laughs> I don't know if somebody put them up to that or if they were just, they thought they saw something, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what that's about. Um, this is when Mama Gloria remembers that her daughter disclosed that sexual harassment, uh, was happening at work. And so she begins asking around um, the fellow soldiers, who was this guy that was sexually harassing my daughter and apparently other women? And she gets a name, and that name is, as you can guess, Erin Robinson. Mm-hmm. It's unclear if she told investigators this information at the time. 
But a few weeks later, they're finally looking into Aaron because he is the last person to see her alive. I don't know why it took a few weeks. There's so many things with this case as I was reading it, and a lot of people will corroborate this too. It's just like Fort Hood Army investigation officials just fucked this up in so many different directions <laughs> that literally, like, it could not have been more of a sloppy investigation. That's... And that's what everything I read was just like, wait, what? Weeks later, they look into the last person who saw her alive? Weeks later. Okay. This is one of those things where, like, because, you know, through no, I'm sure it'll be no shock to anybody that, like, I, I listen to and I think Amanda, you listen to, we like, we like true crime podcasts. And mm-hmm. all of these ones, like, I listen to a lot of last podcast and it's, you know, the ones that end up being, like, serial killers or anybody, any kind of criminal, it almost gets away with it for longer than they should have, at least, because of the shitty mm-hmm. detective work or shitty, like, police work or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just, I wonder if there's a t- statistic about how, like, the length of time to solving a case based on the quality of detective work, how much that, like, fucks things up. Because it's just, like... Mm-hmm. Idiot after idiot fucking up investigations and making things go longer and people not connecting the dots, blah, blah, blah. Oh, it just sucks. Like, don't be, basically, it's like, you can't, don't be a victim. (laughs) Don't be a victim because you're going to get fucked. (laughs) I'd really like to talk to a detective about what the protocol and process is for when there's a a case like this, a person Mm -hmm. who's gone missing or, you know, a suspected murder or something like what are the what are the holdups here? You know, because right. we all have our opinions of how it should go. Because we're over here, you know, recording a podcast, thinking that we're sure detectives. This, but it just seems it seems obvious <laughs> that you would talk to the last person who saw her live immediately, not weeks later. I you know, so I just wondered. There's got to be some reason for that beyond being an idiot. Like, and then you have that extra wonder, layer of like military bullshit with this one. So. And everything goes slower with the military, and we've heard from plenty of survivors of domestic violence in military marriages where the military is not at all concerned Mm -hmm. with the victim. They're concerned with protecting their own. And there's a lot of that in this story, a lot of, of, in my opinion, because this is not the New York Times, this is our podcast in our opinion, but it just very much seems like the Army is hell-bent on protecting their own. Right, which is funny because she was also their own, but it didn't matter. They're protecting their own from guilt, I guess. Yeah, right. they they don't they want to protect their reputation. I should say it more like that. They want to keep whatever soldiers they have for retention, and they also want to protect their reputation. And that seems like their top two priorities. And then after that, it's like, oh, and maybe safety of others. So two soldiers tell investigators that they saw Aaron leave the armory that day. But get this, he left rolling out a black cargo box with him. Which, when I inquired with my husband what a black cargo box with was, it's a very large, very large box that could, I don't know, maybe hold a person. I assume it's like the so size of had, like a trunk, like a yeah, like a trunk box. Something that of. would hold a lot of weapons. Right. Or a body. Or so, <laughs> a body. So he had taken it to the parking lot and he had loaded it in his car. Investigators go through his phone and they find that he called his girlfriend, Cicely Aguilar, multiple times uh, on April 22nd, the day that Vanessa went missing, as late as 3.30 a.m., even though he originally said he had been spending the night with Mm -hmm. her. So, 
Even though it appears this case is solving itself before our eyes, there's no body, there's no hard evidence, so the search for Danessa continues and her family is distraught, and Aaron continues on his daily business. In June, uh, Vanessa's older sister, Mayra, speaks at a press conference and says, quote, from the bottom of my heart, I strongly believe my sister is alive, that whoever is keeping her hostage is doing it for a reason, because they know at this point, if we find her deceased, it's going to be much worse. Uh, and then she adds heartbreakingly, I just hope that they are keeping her okay. <laughs> a reward of $15,000 is offered for information leading to Vanessa's whereabouts. Selma Hayek is one of a couple of celebs who posts about this on her social media, trying to get it more attention. The reward is up to $50,000 for someone to speak up after that. Wow. And all this time, the family is basically slamming Fort Hood for not being forthcoming with information. Because they know that she was sexually harassed, and they suspect, rightly so, that her disappearance has something to do with this. And my guess is, again, total speculation, but we've seen this many times before, as I said, with domestic violence cases, that superiors and commanders are trying to protect their reputation and this guy. So they're probably not going to be forthcoming with, like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's been reported to have sexually harassed a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And we decided not to do anything about it. So unfortunately... As well, Fort Hood is a hotbed of mysterious disappearances, and Vanessa is not its first. In 2020 alone, get this, per the expose in Vanity Fair by that Mae Young reporter I was speaking about earlier, 39 soldiers died or went missing, 13 died by suicide, 5 were murdered, and 11 of the deaths remain unsolved. What is going on at Fort Hood? One of those cases happened in August 2019 when Fort Hood soldier Private Gregory Waddell Morales went missing. So at the time Vanessa goes missing, he's still missing as well. The base denies that the two cases are related and calls Gregory's case um, a desertion, as in he left the base under his own free will. I don't know what the difference is between that and AWOL. They're probably interchangeable. (laughs) <laughs> but the family is all like, hells no, he would not just leave the base. Right. Something shady definitely happened. So they're fighting for justice the same time Vanessa's family is fighting for justice. And Fort Hood is all like, I'm sure that they're fine. They all just walked off the base. Like, And their families are like, no, they didn't. So in June, uh, on June 12th of 2020, human remains are found in a field several miles from Fort Hood. And Vanessa and Gregory's families brace themselves. The remains turn out to be Gregory's. Mm. Now... Get this. Investigators searched this field after they were alerted about the body by a tip to U.S. Army criminal investigators. So if I'm understanding this correctly, someone told them that there might be a body there. But Fort Hood still attests that he deserted the base. (laughs) So the local police department, the Killeen Police Department, um who is apparently leading this investigation, maybe because his body was found off base. Um, is saying foul play at this point, even though the army is still like, I'm not sure. I looked for some conclusion to Gregory's case. As of December of 2020, media was still saying that the family didn't have any answers about his death, but there was a disturbing report that pieces of bone fragment were still being found by people near where his remains were located. So apparently they didn't get all of his body when they went out there. Ooh, um, no. Which is so wrong for so many reasons. (laughs) And it feels like this case just sort of dropped off because I couldn't find any other details about it past December of 2020. And I can only imagine how frustrated that family must feel. Oh, my God. 
because you kind of have to get your own team. You have to get your own lawyer, like Vanessa's family did. Right. Um, you you have to fight for, yourself. for that justice. And you shouldn't have to. No. Like, that's the point of our criminal justice system. But apparently, they decide to just drop out when they don't want to investigate it anymore. So, like I said, Vanessa's family did get an attorney. And they reveal publicly that prior to her disappearance, Vanessa had disclosed those sexual harassment allegations to her mom. My guess is that they revealed this to Fort Hood immediately when she disappeared, and then they probably didn't see what they thought was Fort Hood taking those allegations seriously, so they went to the press with it in June. Mm-hmm. The attorney that they hired is Natalie Kawam, founder of the Whistleblower Law Firm. Uh, she specializes in helping clients from government agencies and the military. Just in case anybody needs that information, I'm just going to throw it out there. <laughs> so Natalie, the lawyer, tells the press about at least two incidents of sexual harassment toward Vanessa. In one, a superior walked in on Vanessa showering on base, and in another, she was verbally assaulted. Uh, wait. Like, walking in on her showering? I'm sorry. That's That makes me assume that it had to have been a female superior, because why would a male superior be anywhere where a female superior would be showering? On purpose. Right. Exactly. Like, that's not an accident. Yeah. (laughs) That's not, that's not an accident. Like, whoops. No. I mean, and furthermore, I would not classify that as sexual harassment. I would classify that as sexual assault. If you saw anything, does that not fall right into assault category? Like, Mm -hmm. hmm. So just as a quick reminder here, as with abuse, harassment is often a pattern of repeated and escalating incidents of degradation, power, and control. So it's likely these two things that the lawyer revealed to the press were just the tip of the iceberg. She, in fact, said to the press, quote, the facts aren't good. I don't like them. There were a few incidents where she had told her colleagues, her friends, her family about being sexually harassed, but she was afraid to report it. How does someone disappear on a base that has more protection and safeguards than anyone else on the planet? Right, especially unless it was true, but... right, unless it was one of her own that did yeah. something to her. Because it's not like a, so after a civilian's going to sneak on a base and do something. <laughs> I don't. You can't. Right. Yeah. So it's now finally publicly acknowledged that foul play is suspected in Vanessa's disappearance two months after she disappears. Now the Fort Hood officials say foul play. So on June 30th, contractors building a fence near the Leon River, which is about 24 miles southeast of Fort Hood, find what appear to be human remains. Authorities search the area and find more human remains uh, that appear to be placed in a concrete-like substance and then buried. There are pieces of bone and hair, and what they find leads them to believe immediately that this is Vanessa. Um, this information is released to the to the press, and Vanessa's family says that they learn about this through no. the media. No one at Fort Hood or the FBI contacts them. So, Jesus great Christ, job, guys! The Army's Criminal Investigation Command then calls Aaron Robinson's command and tells them to put the specialists under strict observation. Because now they're finally connecting the pieces. And they're like, all right, foul play. We found her body. This guy, right? So, <laughs> this part, I can't even. No. The, Ar- the Army tells Aaron Robinson that he, is, he has violated COVID restrictions. Because they don't want him to get suspicious. And uh, good ruse, guys. He'll never know. No. And they put him in, wait for it, a conference room 
They take a suspected murderer and put him in a conference room with one unarmed guy at the door, and he's in there for hours. So I'm sure he has absolutely no idea what's going on. Oh, and they let him keep his cell phone. So this is just speculation, again, but likely he was able to see the media reports, the same ones Vanessa's family saw, that remains had been found, and they thought that it was Vanessa. Um, And around 10 p.m., go figure, he's able to escape this conference room. Details are slim, of (laughs) course, but my guess is that the unarmed soldier at the door probably left because he got tired of sitting by the door, or maybe he just went to pee. I don't know. Right. And Aaron just sauntered on out. No one stopped him at the gate. Just went off base, and it took three hours for Army and civilian police to find him. Um, Should have had an air tag. And at that point, they converged. I should put an air tag on him. (laughs) So when they find him, they converge on him in the middle of a street, but he apparently takes out a pistol and shoots himself um and he's dead which all innocent people do (laughs) right but here's another interesting sidebar even if we believe he did kill himself uh gloria vanessa's mom does not she's interviewed on a radio talk show in march of 2021 94.1 kpfa which is out of berkeley california and apparently she says that she has spoken to witnesses who heard two shots at the moment of Aaron's death. She believes he was executed by police in the army to cover up the crime and its accomplices uh, in the highest ranks of the military. So did you say that military police convened on him as well as like civilian police? Yeah, military and civilian police. So, I mean, if we were going to go with that theory, that would be a pretty big cover-up. That would be huge. And I, oh my God, that would be, who knows? Who knows? I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And I'm and mad I, that he doesn't like get to then. rot in prison. Right. To add fuel to this compu- conspiracy fire, however, um, Colleen Police Department refuses to release body cam footage, saying that they don't need to, since Aaron isn't going to be convicted of any crime um, uh, after his death. Uh, yeah, because we wouldn't want to, you know, convict the person who may have possibly shot him. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, my God. Police then obviously go and arrest um, Cicely. Sure. And then they get the horrific details of what the two did, because she decides to just confess it. She opens up. So she admits to police that her boyfriend, Aaron, killed Robinson, killed, not killed Robinson, killed Vanessa with a hammer, (gasps) striking her in the head multiple times while they were in that arms room. He then puts her body in a weapons case and takes her out to the river where he calls his girlfriend for help. It's unclear, though. I couldn't find any details, and maybe this is not a detail that we should be privy to, but, like, what happened before that? Like, what led up to to him killing her? Like, was was there a discussion, a talk? Did she threaten to tell? Like, I don't... I, I just wonder what his motive was just besides being a psycho asshole. Right, and for her, like, the girlfriend... This guy was harassing, sexually harassing someone that wasn't you. I mean, not that they should be harassing your girlfriend, but like clearly was like, you know, acting on urges towards other people. And then they decide to call you the girlfriend to clean up the mess that they've made by murdering somebody that they were stalking. 
Right. Can you imagine that phone call? Like, you know that, that woman I said that I was trying to walk in on the shower, walk in on her in the shower because I'm, I'm a weirdo and a creep? Yeah, I just killed her. Can you come help me? And making okay. the worst decision ever, she agrees. Yeah, she's like, sure. <sighs> but I mean, at the same the time, river. though, like if this dude bludgeoned someone to death with a hammer, you can't tell me that he didn't have some anger issues at home that maybe she was afraid to say no. No, you're right. You're totally and right. Plus, now, know what. now she knows. Kind of control he had over her. But at that point, he's at a river 25 miles away. She could have called 911. I'm not, you know. Yeah. I, don't, I also don't want to victim blame her in case she's a victim in all of right. this in some respect, too. But also, she's not because she went out and helped him do some pretty horrific fucking shit. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how bad I really feel for her. So she comes out to the river where he has this ominous big black cargo box. He opens it and she sees a dead woman inside. And she recognizes her as Vanessa. So she must have met her before. And then she makes the second worst decision of her life, uh, and with a machete type of knife and a hatchet, the two dismember the body. I was wondering how she became body parts if it was being found separately. <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus. They think that this is going to cover up something. Then they attempt to burn the body parts, but apparently it doesn't work as well as they think it's going to because there's still too much evidence. So they divide up the remains and bury it in three separate places around the river. It's just horrific. Allegedly, four days later, they come back to the site, dig up the remains, try to break them down more, which I can't even, I don't want to imagine what that means in literal terms. No. And then they rebury them. At this point, around July 2nd, so this, so she's confessed all these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's July 2nd. She's in custody. The Army's Criminal Investigation Command has the audacity to release a statement and say there is, quote, no credible information that Specialist Robinson sexually harassed Vanessa. What? Because they're covering their own oh ass. Oh, my God. Like, listen, we might have had a murderer in our um, midst, but we certainly didn't have but a there was harasser. No, this like, was not premeditated in any way, nor was it... He just decided to kill someone. Therefore, it's not so bad. Right. We couldn't have done anything to stop it because we didn't see it coming at all. Like, they may as well have just said that. Like, we saw no signs of this coming, so we are not at fault. We just want you all to know that. Sorry, she thought she wouldn't be believed, so she didn't report it. So we didn't know about it. So it didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Eight days later on July 10th, they changed their tune slightly and say... Well, maybe we found some information that points to harassment, but the harassment was not sexual, and maybe by someone other than Aaron. (sighs) And then they also add the ludicrous detail that they, quote, didn't find any evidence of a relationship between Vanessa and Aaron. As if that matters. Yeah, no shit. They They weren't dating. He was harassing her. Right. But, snap, they also find that for much of 2019, the year before Vanessa's murder, Aaron had harassed a different soldier through, quote, a clear progression of events, cell phone text solicitations, in-person encroachments, and potential stalking. Mm -hmm. No action was taken at the time, and it's unclear from the report when the victim told superiors about the harassment. Sweet Jesus. So... She's lucky to be alive. Mm-hmm. On July 10th, the urging uh, on the urging of the League of United Latin American Citizens, Secretary of the Army Ryan McCarthy announces he'll be appointing a panel to investigate how Vanessa's case has been handled, which is good because everyone can admit that a multitude of things have gone wrong here. Right. After her death, also uh, hundreds of service members 
come forward to talk about their experiences on base, both at Fort Hood and other bases, through the Twitter hashtag, I am Vanessa Guillen. Mm-hmm. There are tweets like Ashley's, who said, quote, I was an E3 when I was raped by another service member while being stationed overseas. I have a lifetime of trauma while he is still in the army. This happens more than you know. Jeez. And there's tons of them like that. So this leads uh, to Vanessa's family proposing the I am Vanessa Guillen bill, which would let service members file sexual assault and harassment claims to a third party rather than their chain of command. And on one hand, I love to see the activism that comes from something so horrific, but on the other hand, it's angering that something this horrific has to happen for those seemingly obvious and logical changes to occur. Right, but like... Like, Well, no shit, they should be allowed to report it without telling their... The abuser's boss, right? Right, but at the same time, like, how is that... That doesn't solve the problem of fear of not being believed. It doesn't. But if you can report it to someone who... It helps. Does not, right. Like, so if if you report it to their superior, then their superior is also going to be in trouble for right. having this service member in their command that is doing these things. So if you can report it to somebody else who isn't tied to them in some way, mm-hmm. there's a better chance that that survivor is going to find somebody that will believe them and actually do something about it. In theory. All in theory. Because... Mm-hmm. A lot needs to change. So on July 14th, uh, 22-year-old Cicely Aguilar is indicted by a grand jury in Waco, Texas on 11 counts of tampering with documents or proceedings, accessory after the fact, false statements, destruction of records in a federal investigation. But as of November of last year, her trial was still ongoing, with her defense team trying to get the majority of those charges thrown out and the case possibly dismissed altogether, which is ridiculous, but not unexpected. Because that's what they always do, right? And in December of 2020, 14 officials at Fort Hood are either fired or suspended, including several high-ranking leaders, due to the findings of McCarthy's investigation that was launched in July. So that's good. That's one bright star there. The investigation found, quote, major flaws, no shit, at Fort Hood and a command climate that, quote, was permissive of sexual harassment and sexual assault. Good. Holding people accountable, even that are, like, touching the case, like, yes. Yeah. That's part of feeling like you're going to be believed is knowing that people are going to be held accountable. Exactly. So here's the latest update on where this stands now. Two weeks ago, on December 27th, President Biden signed into law the $770 billion National Defense Authorization Act, a defense spending bill that will take sexual assault, domestic violence, stalking, and homicide out of the chain of command's power to prosecute. We've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. This is really, really good news. And the legislation also includes portions of the I Am Vanessa Guillen Act, which will decree that sexual harassment will be a standalone offense punishable under Article 134 of the UCMJ or Uniform Code of Military Justice. And the bill also offers ways that service members can report sexual assault or harassment without the fear of retaliation. There's a way to do that now with domestic violence, so it makes sense that there should be a process in place for sexual assault and harassment as well. It's called a restricted report where you can access help and services, but the accused is not alerted, nor is the commander, as long as you're not at risk of serious harm. So one might argue, well, this doesn't hold the accused accountable or involve police. True. But we can't judge somebody for not being ready to report for so many reasons, one of which is her safety and another of which is her job. So she might just need help she might need support 
in in various different ways, but she might not be ready to actually press any sort of formal charges. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can have informal charges, but you know what I mean. Right. And obviously there's an unrestricted report which calls in the cavalry in all respects, but it also ensures a military order of protection. Although I should say ensure in air quotes because I've spoken to a lot of service member survivors who made unrestricted reports and never got an order of protection and were still in danger from their abusers. So this is not to discourage any survivor from reporting. This is to say that the military better step up and protect survivors better because they just keep fucking up left and right in how they're responding to this. And I don't know how many times they need to be called out publicly, but the more people who call them out publicly, the better. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't want to tell any survivors what to do, but if you are able to, I would say report. Right. And that is the story of Vanessa Guillen and the I am Vanessa Guillen act. I, you know, thank God for the act. Super shit mm-hmm. that we, again, we have to like, you know, not that the guy had much going for him after the fact, but two people's lives were lost in mm-hmm. the process of being able to have something like this happen. It's just like, it's like basic human rights violations kind of a thing where you're like, how, mm-hmm. <laughs> how are the, how are human rights groups not like, I mean, they're already busy enough as it is, but like this kind of bullshit mm-hmm on top of it like we're supposed to be we're supposed to be living in a society people (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think there's a lot of falsities and i think there's also just like a lot of general gaslighting about how safe america is and like how free we are but it's it's not that way for everybody there's i mean there's a lot of marginalized groups that it's not that way for and it has been not that way forever for and for women another marginalized group it's it's not safe. <laughs> we need to talk more about femicide. We need to talk more about the fact that, you know, we are being killed every single day by men just because we are women. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think in in related news, I think at some point we, we should probably broach that topic of what's happening in um, France right now, too, because that's been pretty big news about the fact that there were three women killed within the first 24 to 48 hours of 2022 in domestic violence. Oh, my God. Um, cases. Well, how does that compare to America, I wonder? Right. I mean, probably I the mean, same. I mean, it sounds horrific. <laughs> is, it, is it worse than here? Right. But, I mean, at least for there, it's on an uptick, and so it's becoming a little more – it's getting a little more media attention at least. So, um, yeah, man, watch your back. <laughs> Report that <laughs> shit. That's advice. <laughs> Watch your back, ladies. Watch your back. Check your purses and pockets for air tags. Report Ugh. bastards that are pulling shit and worry about what's going to happen later because you got to report when you can. And we certainly don't mean to make light of this by laughing but about anything. We're, we're <laughs> just more so laughing at the absurdity of the fact that this doesn't get taken nearly as seriously as it should. It, you know... This feels like an epidemic. It is an epidemic, mm-hmm. violence against women. And it just, it doesn't get the kind of attention that it needs to. So I think it's just, I feel for Vanessa Guillen's family. I feel for all of the survivors um, and victims' families. It's just, we tell these stories over and over again. We've told at least 37 of them now and many more through our social media. And it's just like, 
Um, and there's so many other people who are telling him too. It's not mm-hmm. just us, obviously. There's so many people that are doing this kind of work. And that's why I think that this kind of work is so important because it's just like, you got to keep more it, we talk about it. Keep it top of mind all the time because it's not going away. It's not right. getting better. The problem yeah, is not Yeah, people being don't want to hear it. I get it. You know, true crime is one thing. It's interesting, um, but can also be very depressing to some respects <laughs> like this. And it's just like, but we have to talk about it because if we don't, then abusers are just like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I can just do this. It's just going to be another guy that just beats up another woman. No one's going to bat an eye. And we have to bat all the eyes. Right. Eyelashes? Eyes. We have to better eyes? Better eyelashes. Both you know false and real. <laughs> Both false and real. All right. Well, thanks for listening again. Yeah. Come back next time when we talk about something else equally horrifying and angry. <laughs> and I'm laughing again because... What do you do when everything sucks? You gotta laugh because otherwise everything sucks worse. <laughs> laughing is a completely normal response to laughing trauma. is laughing is medicine. <laughs> All of this is traumatic. <sighs> <laughs> All right, till next time, friends. <laughs>